Hello, everyone. This is Premier Chess CEO, National Master Evan Rabin. I am very excited to be here on episode 249 of the Premier Chess Podcast, where every week we interview great chess professionals, business coaches, attorneys, many others who have found their passions in whatever it is that they do. Uh, this week, we have my good friend and colleague, Gary Ryan, uh, who uh, has been teaching chess for many, many, many years uh, all around New York. Uh, we are actually incredibly lucky to have him uh, on our team as well, where he uh, helped run our program at Grace Church School in the city. Uh, he does uh, some private lessons for us, uh, but he's also worked with uh, many other chess companies, um, doing a lot of great work uh, on his own uh, as as well. And yeah, um, it's it's my pleasure to uh, have him on uh, today. Um, and Gary also, of course, has done a lot more than chess. Uh, he actually has uh, a Master of Divinity uh, from Wesley Biblical Seminary, a Master's of Arts and Philosophy and Religious Studies at University of Mississippi, and another Master's in Theology from Harvard Divinity School. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he served as a chaplain at Columbia Presbyterian uh, Medical Center, um, he's also done some copywriting, uh, some advocacy work uh, by the UN, uh, all sorts of things. So, uh, Gary, it's my, my pleasure having you. How, how's everything going today? Uh, things are going well. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I never thought, Evan, you know, what, after my studies that I would wind up teaching chess. Hmm. That wasn't part of, that wasn't part of the plan um i i did start out well i started out as a journalist and i became a chaplain so, 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 and, uh, so hold, hold on a minute we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get to all of that um but but i guess I, I i wanted to first ask uh you know i know you grew up in uh mississippi uh so how, how did you get from there to new york um well i I, yes, I did grow up in Mississippi, and um, and uh, after studying philosophy at Ole Miss, I um, wanted to pursue further studies, so I uh, applied to Harvard and was accepted to Harvard Divinity School. Uh, theology was always my first love, shall we say, and uh, so I left in 91 and went to Boston. And after being in Boston for a couple of years, I I um I came to New York to uh, accept a residency um, at Columbia Presbyterian, where I, where I was chief resident chaplain. Hmm. Um, so so and I did that for a while. Yeah. So, so since Passover starts tonight, um was wondering, I mean, obviously, you know, the Passover story quite well in the Torah, all that Bible, uh, you know, however you like to, uh, you know, slice it. Uh, we've had a couple other, uh, you know, great religious leaders uh, on the podcast, uh, you know, from the Reverend Gregory Livingston, Rabbi, Rabbi Lady Welton, uh, some others. Um, what, what, what could you tell us about, uh, about Passover that starts tonight? <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm not Jewish, but I'm not Jewish. I'm, You're not I'm, Jewish, but you know the story for sure. <laughs> well, I do. 
I do, um, and I, I know where well, the story well, comes I, I, from. I'll make it a little bit more interesting. What what could you tell us that is relevant, uh, either just the people in general today, uh, or for chess players? <laughs> well, I mean, I will say that uh, you know, obviously, Passover is a is a Jewish holiday, um, but it is a holiday that that um, Christians all kind of piggyback on because it's also our Easter season. Um, this is what we would call Holy Week and uh, culminating on Sunday with, with Easter. So, um, uh, and it's not, it's not accidental that, um, that this overlap, you know, is there. And um, a lot of the Christian story I, 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 maybe, I, maybe you could say co-ops or borrows or piggybacks, like I said earlier, on on the the the, the significance for Jewish people of, of this time. Um, Christians kind of augment that for their own purposes uh, for Easter, hmm. uh, which maybe is not very helpful. Um, uh, the way I, I explain that. Well, I think there's also something to be said, too, that uh, if there's one thing that I learned about Passover uh, in the last couple of years from some of my uh, rabbis, uh, some of which have uh, been on the podcast, like Lady Walton and Mark Wilds of uh, MJE, uh, is the idea that uh, Mitzrayim, right, Egypt, uh, and, and slavery back in uh Egypt is not something just from thousands of years ago from our ancestors, right? The truth is, right, we all have our misrhymes, our challenges uh, today. Uh, absolutely, right? yes. That we need to uh, somewhat overcome, right? And I think, uh, you know, in the chessboard, that's, of course, something that is, uh, you know, prominent as well. You know, you got a bad tournament. You well, well, you know, now, now that you mentioned that, um, I, I wrote my my thesis at Harvard Divinity School about the Holy Grail. And the Holy Grail, in a way, is, is kind of like this time that, that you mentioned, this, you know, this challenging time in the wilderness. Um, the uh, the Knights of the Round Table were sent out on a on a what seemed like an impossible mission. And they were supposed to be to 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 quest for a year and a day and then return and tell their tales. And, um, and the, so the, the, the stories that we know about from the Holy Grail um, are different challenges that the different knights faced, you know, in, on, on their quest. The Holy Grail being a kind of metaphor for the Christian New testament story um mm -hmm. written about a thousand years after the events of the new testament hmm. yeah well that, that, that that's that's so all, all, all the stuff about king Arthur and sir galahad and lancelot you know those were different kinds of they, they were metaphor stories for the the kind of challenges that that jesus went through that jesus's disciples would go through and um and yes borrowing from the 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 uh 
the the wanderings and the challenges, you know, that Moses and the uh, the Israelites went through in the wilderness, you know, um, traveling around the Sinai Peninsula for forty years, hmm. much longer than than the year and a day of the the, the round table nights. Yeah, yeah, no, a a absolutely, and it, it's just great to. Yeah, be able to uh, overcome challenges and uh, you know move move forward. So, um, so t t tell me, I mean, you like a lot of chess players. Uh, you know, I've always had sort of the internal struggle like I've had. Uh, you know, whether you should you know use chess as a profession, not use chess as a profession. Uh, a little bit of a of a mix. Um, you know, I also uh, didn't realize I would, uh, you know, full time run a chess company with 55 uh, independent contractor and instructors and, uh, you know, run programs in 80 schools uh, all over the country. Uh, but, uh, you know, that that's what I'm doing. So, uh, you know, I previously worked in, in corporate America and uh, yeah, full time uh, do this now. So. Uh, what was it like, uh, you know, for 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 you? Uh, you know, did what what made you uh, decide to you know not be a chaplain and uh, do other work and 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 really full time? Well, you know, you know, it's, it's a very interesting question, Evan, because uh, when I when I went to it's funny how I keep coming back to this divinity school thing, but when I went to divinity school, I wanted to make every aspect of my time in in Cambridge and Boston being part of my education. So I had I had long been intrigued by the Quakers. So I, I I lived in a Quaker community. I um had long been intrigued by uh the Episcopal Church. So I did my field placement in an Episcopal Church in downtown Boston. And for the first time in my life, you know, I, I had easy and ready access to play chess with really strong players. In, in Harvard Square, and so I I um, did all that while I was in school, and then after I got out of school, I uh, became an Episcopalian, and I taught chess for many years in a Quaker school. So um, I guess the moral of that story is: be careful what you do in graduate school because it it may extend deeper into your life than you than you first planned. Hmm. Yeah, and and that's interesting, and and you never know where where, where life goes. Um, we did, by the way, uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually have, uh, you know, another uh, Episcopal uh, leader, uh, Amanda Hambrick, uh, on the podcast, who actually works with Middle Church. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, one of the older uh, churches uh, in, in in New York, uh, actually. So. Um, and, and probably around the world, uh, you know, actually. So, um, yeah, so, 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 so tell me, how, how did you first get into chess uh, as a kid or a little later on, uh, you know, down in Mississippi? Yeah, well, one Christmas, uh, somebody, some relative, I don't remember who, gave my family, gave the kids in my family a chess set for Christmas kind of a joint gift to the kids. And um, it was just in a cardboard box, you know, kind of like the size of, an, of a Monopoly set um, or a Scrabble set, more like it. 
and uh, had one page of instructions and I read the instructions and kind of taught myself how to play. You know, I would beg people to play me. And um, then at school, you know, I had a friend or two who played some. And um, I remember I used to play chess with, with one friend on the school bus on a, with, on a magnetic board. <laughs> and since I had taught myself how to play, I didn't quite get all the rules. And I remember when we were playing one time and he castled and I thought, what in the world? You can't do that. And um, he, he, this friend taught me how to castle. Um, I remember in high school, I had one friend who was evil, evil, evil with knights. I'd never seen anybody maneuver knights like he did. Um, and uh, it was later when I moved to, to New York when I, I in, you know, found the, the chess culture in New York City when I, I really began to learn um, when did you first play chess? More. Well, I'm sorry, say it again. When, when you moved to New York and you, you just said you got into chess, where did, where did you first play all the time? I, I remember I, I had a date one time. I was dating this fashion designer and and um, we were walking around and we had eaten somewhere down in the village and we were walking around in the village and we stumbled upon the uh, the chess shop on Thompson Street back when it was, you know, the only chess place downtown. And after my date, you know, like in, later in the week, I came down and, and you know, started playing. Um, later, uh, the manager of that shop uh, started another chess shop up the street, the, the Chess Forum. And uh, a, I, a lot of the better players kind of gravitated to the Chess Forum. And so I, I just kind of became part of that chess forum culture. And, and back in the day, I mean, all, a, a lot of great players would come through and play chess there. Um, uh, a lot of great players, you know, some grandmasters, a lot of international. Yeah, I mean, I've had the pleasure of becoming fairly close with uh, Grand Ambassador Bill Lombardi, for instance, uh, at the chess forum. Yeah. 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 And of course, back then when I first met Bill Lombardi, I didn't know, you know his whole story i didn't know he was you know bobby fisher second and you know he yeah, was well, i remember i had a, a similar re reaction actually um you know i i, I met him i am not by any means a, a chess historian um which i think by the way you're a, a lot better at uh you know than, than, than me actually um yeah i have the privilege of teaching a, a lot of classes with you actually and uh yeah, your 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 knowledge of like the stories and, and whatnot is uh you know something to talk about, which uh, I, I do want to actually uh discover uh in in, in, a, in a bit. But um yeah, I mean seeing seeing top players uh like down there and yeah, you just never know who you're gonna meet. Uh, you know, and another person who comes to mind who I haven't seen in uh a long time is uh you know Gabernado Naranja, who um Never actually, I don't think I ever saw him actually at the chess forum, but I, I used to see him at, at the Marshall a lot. And, uh, you know, when, when I first met him, I, I also didn't know that he was like that great of a player or anything, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he actually drew Fisher uh, in, in, in one uh, tournament game uh, years ago. You know, he's a, a strong time. You know, you know, a long time ago, but, but before internet chess became a thing, and by the way, internet chess kind of killed that culture where it, it it 
it certainly turned it into a much smaller thing. But before internet chess, you know, um, the chess forum on a Friday night was just a happening place. Mm. Everybody would go and play chess. You know, everybody who wasn't at the Marshall or the Manhattan, back when the Manhattan Chess Club was still a club, they were at the chess forum. And, you know, you'd have Wall Street guys playing cabbies and Muslim guys playing rabbis. And, you know, there'd be couples on dates and, you know, there'd be just all kind of people, you know, playing chess and places would be packed. Mm. And back then, uh, uh, you know, when you could still smoke, it'd be full of smoke. <laughs> and, um, and um, it, you know, it was just, it was really just a, what a culture it was. What a slice of culture. Um, and then internet chess came along and it, and, and it just kind of, little by little just it just kind of made all that pretty much go away certainly like it like it was um i mean you can still go to the chess forum and play chess but it's not where all the great players hang out anymore um it's, that's true you know, and, it's, and, and 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 yeah of course we're, we're we're both fairly uh you know good friends with the mod who's uh you know the owner uh, and, and manager of the forum, and um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I've had so much great experiences uh, there. Um, you know, actually, over the summer, I was with um, Olavo Gibson, uh, one of our previous podcast guests, who uh, is is one of the directors at one of our schools, New American Academy, and uh, also along with one of uh, our students there, uh, actually recorded a nice video uh, at the Chess Forum, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, but, um, yeah, and, and, and I, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually guessing here, but I, I assume that, that, that might be where you met, uh, Phil Rosenberg, who, who works for us. And, uh, you yeah, Phil him. Rosenberg, um, uh, Chris Maximovich, um, actually Chris Maximovich worked at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital when I was there, hmm. you know, we would bump in, we would, we'd play chess and then we bumped into each, each other at work and realized that we- I did not know that. What, what was he doing there? He was, I think he was a social worker or something um, back then. Um, and, uh, uh, but, you know, I, I also, that's when I met, I had several friends who all worked for chess in the schools. And um, my, when my residency program was ending at Columbia Presbyterian, I decided to, to, uh, to teach chess with in the inner city. So I did that for a long time at chess in the schools. And back when I was there, the Shahad, both Shahadis were there. Uh, um, uh, Miron Shear, Ali Grenfeld, um, uh, Mike Klein, um, Ben Feingold, Elizabeth, used to be Vickery, I forget her last name now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Siegel. Um, Spiegel or Siegel? Spiegel. Spiegel. Spiegel, yeah. Um, just just a, uh, David McAnulty, um, Ron Bukak, just a lot of great, great leaders, um, you know, in the in the chess world. You know, and it, it's, it, it makes it really fun now for me to follow chess like I do. And so many of the luminaries in that world, you know, I knew or I know, 
Um, a lot of the younger guys, not so much, but but uh, I also back then, you know, I remember seeing Hikaru Nakamura play chess when he was like in third grade. Um, you know, as you know, I taught Fabiano Caruana actually how to play chess at the chess forum when he was in kindergarten. Um, uh, oh, not, not, not to interrupt, but um, yeah, I mean, look, so many uh, great chess instructors uh, like you and I. Uh, did this sort of typical of, of working at chess in the schools uh, at one point, uh, obviously a great uh, nonprofit that works with 50 different Title I schools all over New York. Uh, their uh, director, uh, Debbie Eastburn, uh, has been on the podcast before. And uh, yeah, I've had a pleasure of uh, working with all those folks, uh, you know, before, uh, you know, Greg and Jen, uh, you know, are both obviously doing a lot of great work uh, for chess. Um, Jen, I actually just saw it the other night at a great women in chess event uh, at the at the Marshall uh, in New York. She's, of course, also has been on the podcast, um, along with uh, Elizabeth Spiegel, who uh, works at the you know perennial championship uh, 318 school that was featured in Brooklyn Castle, uh, for those that uh, don't know. So... Um, yeah, and and yeah, I do consider actually Ron Cock a, a close friend and, and mentor who's uh you know helped me uh, quite a bit uh when I was working for CIS and uh yeah, we still have a, a great relationship. So um yeah, I'm, I'm definitely grateful uh you know for first for CIS and I'm sure you are as well. <laughs> so so interestingly, you know, I yeah, I, you know, I worked with a lot of these people. You know, I don't want to leave out Yuri Lapshin. You know, he was great to work with. Um, uh, and it was fun, you know, seeing these young people kind of get old, uh, grow up. And now some of them are the, the great players. I remember seeing you play. <laughs> so, and, and, and yeah, I mean, Yuri is, uh, you know, obviously a beast. Still working at Chess in the Schools uh, after all these years. <laughs> Him and Mitch Fitzko, who I'm sure you worked with as well. You know, they're, they're kind of the... OGs that are, are still around. So, uh, you know, and, and probably not stopping. Uh, obviously, chess in the schools, uh, you know, it, it's, it's great. And uh, yeah, had a great pleasure of working with, yeah, all the coaches there, Yuri, Mitch, and, uh, you know, others. Um, so what what was it like, uh, you know, before, obviously, he was, I guess, sort of handed off to, to Bruce Pandolfini, uh, who's, of course, been on the podcast before. Uh, what what was it like working with uh, a, a young Fabiana? <laughs> he was a character. For one thing, he was little. He was much smaller than the other kindergartners. And I mean, just a little bundle of. He was like a little dynamo, with that. With even as a, at that age, with this kind of evil twinkle in his eye. Um, <laughs> I remember he would tell kids like put your piece here and they put their piece there and he would scarf it off the board um he was tough 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 um <laughs> and then um that that was the summer i think of 96 he was in kindergarten and then years later i met him i played against him in parsippany in the amateur team east when he must have been in like third or fourth grade and oh my God, he plowed me horribly. And, and after his father said, "Don't feel too bad. He beats everybody these days." 
But don't ever forget, you were his first ever chess teacher. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but uh, um, anyway, uh, um, I mean, it, it's, you know what, the interesting thing about that story, Evan, is that little class that he was in, that was my first ever chess class I ever, ever taught. Hmm. I taught, you know, on, on like uh, every Saturday for a whole summer that summer. And I had never taught chess before in my life. Um, I don't even think I had, I had taught, I had never taught kids in my life that I recall. So that was my first, you know, my very first um, uh experience doing that so it it's really just kind of phenomenal that you know somehow i was i don't know that i had that opportunity that i got to be part of that um uh, i'm not even sure how you would describe that but um it, you know it's, it's it's interesting if you were making this up you know people might not believe you <laughs> yeah well I, I have to say it's it's definitely cool that you were able to uh you know get a chance to work with you know one of the best uh of course and um yeah i mean uh you know that, that was definitely exciting not not everyone can say they thought uh Fabiano. <laughs> i mean look I, uh, of course right everyone I think wants to say at, at, at some point they've had an impact on, you know, every single, you know, top player. Uh, you know, I can say that like, not really about, you know, like two men, but okay. I can, I can make a case, you know, grandmaster Chris, you been on our podcast, you know, I, I was in the team room that, uh, you know, Trinaz had at the nationals uh, a couple of years ago, you know, in 2017 and, you know, maybe I said a thing or two to him, but he was already a master and I was, you know, 2100, you know, at, at the time. Uh, but, you know, again, I, you know, I could make a case if I really, really wanted to, you know, <laughs> so. Uh, well, and I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't really have a case to make. I mean, I'm not, I mean, you know me, I'm. I'm no, I, and, and, and believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you, you, you will or not, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm also just making it a, a, a point too, because. Um, you know, I, I, I think it, it, it's important to, even if, if a coach did a lot of great work, right. Um, you know, so for instance, right. Bruce Pandolfini also obviously did a lot with, with Fabiano, with, uh, Miran Cher later on did a lot with, with Fabiano. Bruce Stone, you know, has done a lot with Fabiano. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it's his progress. Right, which I, I think is important, right? So even for me, for our students that are not nearly, you know, to the same level as, as Fabiano, I do think it's important to, you know, ultimately, you know, give the most credit to, you know, the, the student uh, him, him, himself, uh, of course. Well, I will say, you know, you mentioned, we mentioned Chris Max earlier, Chris Maximovich. He used to quote Miron Shear. You know, Grandmaster Miron Shear, who who died. Yeah, rest in peace, of course. Yeah. A, a few, um, and uh, Miron, Max said Miron would say, if you know, it, don't underestimate the importance of a student's first chess teacher. And me and you both have met so many people who didn't like chess because they had a horrible first chess teacher. You know, um, and then later they just, you know. 
they're kind of ruined for chess, which I, I think is sad. You know, I, it's interesting because after that, when I first started working with chess in the schools, my very first assignment was to work at the Young Women's Leadership School in East Harlem, a public school, an all-girls public school. And it was there where I kind of developed my system for teaching because I was asked to teach chess as a humanities course at that school. So ever since then, um, in all of my teaching, I teach chess as a humanities class. You know, I, I don't teach it chess so that people will become great players and beat everybody. I, I teach chess so that people will understand the history of the game, understand what the game is about, you know, understand, you know, a lot of the stuff that surrounds the game of chess as a as a humanities endeavor and, you know, and as 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 a, a kind of rich source of learning about our culture. Hmm. Yeah, and of course, yeah, chess has a lot of other benefits, of course, right, you know, outside of the, the, the chess board uh, as, as, as well. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, I guess, ask from your years of, of teaching, uh, you know, what, what, what are some of the top uh, chess improvement tips that you've uh, developed uh, over the years uh, for, for students? Chess improvement tips. Um, well, you know, one one thing I do, you know, I, 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 I for for young for young people, I think it's 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 not enough to tell kids, you know, the the queen is worth nine, and the pawn is worth one, and the rook five, and you know what I I I always have a lesson or two where I I take the pieces and I put them on an empty board and I show how many squares they cover. You know, like how many squares does one pawn cover, uh, you know, at different positions on the board? And then I'll do the knight and then the bishop and then the rook and the queen. And and and, and I, I can see the kids understand, oh, my gosh, I get it now. You know, the queen is worth what she is because of of how much she can do, actually physically do. And, you know, I. I, I like to teach chess concepts in that way where I don't just kind of cram kind of meaningless, empty information into kids' heads, but I give them kind of an, an, an understanding underpinning to everything I do. I want them to understand. And I, and I also really, really, really emphasize with, with people, not just kids, but with people that, that chess really actually is a thing you think about and 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 you really focus you know your mental energies on it and by the way it's not enough to just put your brain power on it but you and i both know what it's like to play in a tournament when you're tired or hungry and you don't have the physical stamina for the mental task that you're facing you know so i you know i also try to teach people, young people especially, that that chess isn't just a thing in your head, but it's a thing you do with your body and with your life. You know, you you really put your life into it. Um, uh, and, and, the, and the more that it's like that, then the, 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 the more you're going to understand and the more you're going to have a feel for it. 
and hopefully the better you'll be in the long run. Hmm. So, yeah, um, you know, I, 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 it's definitely a, an important point. You know, we do need to, you know, consistently, you know, grow, uh, you know, of course, as, as, as players uh, and, and and develop. Um, but, um, yeah, is, is there any recommendations, uh, you know, you have for maybe students that are, uh, relatively new to the game, you know, they're, they're, they're into it, uh, but they're, you yeah. know, more reluctant to go to tournaments I, and kind of take chess to the next well, level. I don't, know if this, I don't know if this is controversial or not. And I, I don't know any chess teachers who say what I'm going to say, but I think the best chess book ever written is Bobby Fisher teaches chess. Hmm. And it, of course, it's not going to make a strong player stronger, but it will make a, a beginner player intermediate. Mm -hmm. If you read that book and you understand it well, you can become a, a pretty decent intermediate player just by reading that book. And of course, as you know, that book, there's not a lot of reading. After you read how the pieces move, it's mainly puzzles, one puzzle per page. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just very methodical and, and very helpful. You know, it was, it was, actually kind of written or kind of co-written by uh, some educators at Columbia University in the 70s, you know, when Bobby Fischer was champ world champion, because there was an intrigue around the world, certainly in the United States about, oh my gosh, how does a person become a, you know, a strong chess player? Mm -hmm. And there was a demand, you know, from people to kind of understand better uh, chess certainly for people who didn't understand it at all you know the, the whole culture had become completely intrigued by chess but hardly anybody understood it so these these educators wrote that book with you know with bobby fisher's input as a way to demystify chess as it were but and and it's it's a book that helped me kind of get over being a beginner and to become you know, a, a, a decently developing intermediate player. Are there any other rec books you, you, you'd recommend? Um, I mean, I, you know, I, gosh, I, I, you know, it's funny. Again, before internet chess, you know, I would buy, you know, different chess books at the forum. You know, I used to really like the Cadigan series. I used to like, uh, Bruce Pandolfini's books, um, uh, Yasser Sarawan's books, because they were very, very kind of practical. They're also very visual. I like books, chess books that are very visual. Um, uh, you know, I, I when I first came to New York, I used to hang out in Soho a lot at this big cafe where Nick DeFermian used to hang out and, and work on, you know, um, modern, modern chess, chess openings. openings. <laughs> yeah. So I remember having, you know, in, you know, modern chess opening, that big old fat book. Of course, uh, of course, you know, the uh, uh, Polgar's big old, you know, 5,000 plus chess problems. Now with, with uh, you know, with chess.com and with chess base and, um, you know, I used to really like new in chess. I would say now where I go to get my my chess kind of knowledge is reading articles 
in uh, chess.com mm. and then reading the chess.com and then working through games. Like, you know, the other day, um, I just was going through a game today where um, uh, Magnus Carlsen got beat in this chessables tournament. Um, and, you know, by a, you know, by a lesser player, you know, I'm going to try, you know, that, that's the game I want to look at and see how, how did this guy like, you know, what, what did he pull out of his hat that, that threw off the world champion? Hmm. Um, uh, you know, um, I also want to look at the games Fabiano and Nakamura won their games. They're going to play each other in the final. You know, I'm going to be very interested to look at those games. So a lot of this stuff, you know, you would have to wait to read about them in new and chess. And now, boom, they're like that on the internet. Hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I will it's, also it's true. There's, there's obviously, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of great, uh, you know, books out there, uh, of course. And, you know, look, I'm old school, you know, I still think it, it is good to, uh, you know, read chess books. Um, you know, I, I actually got to know Nick, uh, decently well when he, uh, spent a, a lot of time in New York, um, uh, a bunch of years ago, uh, Susan Polgar, um, yeah, he's that black book all the time. Uh, she was actually our milestone hundred podcast guest, uh, quite a while ago now, but, um, that, that was an amazing episode. She literally did it from a cruise, <laughs> you know, which was, uh, somewhat insane and, and dedication, uh, you know, for, for, for us, but, um, yeah, that, 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 that was awesome. So, um, one thing, oh, I, by the way, let me say one more thing. You asked what my advice would be for, for, you know, newer or younger players. I would say it's very important to look at your games and not just you look at your games yourself, but to have like stronger players look at your games with you so that you can kind of, you can kind of, get some insight from, you know, from more experienced, more seasoned, stronger players about what you're doing. Because you can't always see what you're doing. You know, we kind of get kind of stuck in our thing and we, we can't always see what it looks like from by taking a step or two back. And, uh, but, but uh, I think analyzing games with the teacher or with a couple of friends at the, you know, at the Marshall or, or, you know, you know, over coffee, you know, it's, it's just very, very helpful. And of course, now you can also, you, yes, you can do this on your own with chess engines. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I am old school in that. I, I do like that human, that human back and forth too. Right. Right. And, 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 and yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that game analysis is pretty huge. Um, I, I actually just uh, yesterday was uh, telling a, a student actually that uh, relatively I've read very few chess books compared to other masters, uh, probably about under five, uh, but I've played over 900 tournaments now and won overall one games and, and that's how I've gotten the best. Um, and when it comes to game analysis, uh, actually... Um, you know, I really recommend actually a, a three-step process. Uh, first, where you go over uh, the game alone, just look for um, any 
Uh, actually, even a four-step process, if you if you really want to take it to the next level. Uh, so number one, going over the game uh, alone, um, where you just find ideas yourself. Uh, number two, looking over it with an opening book, just checking if there was any better moves that you could have played uh, in the opening. Uh, number three, uh, with the coach. Um, look, ideally, a one-on-one coach. Right? Parents and adults will reach out to me all the time. How should my kid get started? Should he do private lessons? Should he be part of the school program? Should he learn on his own? Look, the truth is, if you really want to get better, you need to do a full stack of, uh, approach to improvement. Uh, I once wrote a blog post about this idea that truly, if someone really wants to take just the next level, it's not, it's not, one of the above, it's all of the above, right? You okay. need to have some kind of group class where you're going to practice, some kind if, of... If, if I may jump in and say, you know, I used to help run a lot of chess camps. Um, I used to work a lot with Saudi Robovich running his camps. And there, there's a lot to be said for that total immersion that you get when you're in a chess camp. You know, like if a kid is in a camp for like a week or like for weeks in the summer... They get this total immersion, and and it, it's you know the kids really have a chance to put in the hours that are required to to really soak in a discipline. Yeah, you know, look, and, and that's also a good point. Um, it, it it reminds me actually. Just yesterday, um, I actually saw an advertisement for the Impact Coaching Network camp uh, that Russ Mikowski, the owner. Uh, put and one thing that he said, which I actually agreed with, was uh, that a kid will learn roughly the same amount of same amount in one week of camp as a semester uh, in a school. And uh, you know, and I, I, and I believe that, that. And, I, and I think it's true, actually, especially if it's a well run camp. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, so. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we are actually finalizing our details now for uh, our camps, uh, probably going to be uh, actually maybe even in Queens, Brooklyn and Manhattan. So, uh, you know, stay, stay posted there uh, for those uh, listening. Um, and, and I guess lastly, uh, I wanted to ask, um, it's kind of crazy, actually, how little people are, are talking about it. Uh, right now, but uh, do you do you even know what starts this week? Do I know what starts this week? Yes, in the chess world. Uh, I probably do. <laughs> um, uh, help me out. The world championship. I thought it was later. <laughs> so here, here, here's the crazy thing, right? And, and 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 truly, this is not even a knock on you, Gary, right? This is just a knock on you know the chess world. I, I was just actually listening yesterday to Levy Rosman on the Ben Johnson's Perpetual Chess Podcast, and um, you know they 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 were talking about how it's you know embarrassing you know how, how how little people are are caring about this match 
Um, well, and, 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 and honestly, for, for, for decent reason, right? Uh, Matt Magnus Carlson, you know, pulled out. Um, and now it's, you know, basically two versus three in the world. Uh, Nippon Miyashti and Dingler in. Um, the last match, I was actually there uh, in Dubai. Um, you know, one of our great church high school students yesterday actually asked me, like, oh, are you for Kazakhstan for the match? Kind of half jokingly. It's like, uh, definitely not. <laughs> are, are they? They? So anyway, what 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 are your thoughts about this match that's starting on Friday? Well, um, I mean, are they? They're not even two and three in the world anymore, right? I mean, those. Um, that's a good question. Um, you can go to like I mean, twenty-seven hundred guests and Nepal's way down. No, actually, no. Nepal Niyashti is number two right now, and, and Ding Loren is number three, oh, right now, as a matter of fact. So they are the number two and three. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah you got I mean, uh, in, in, in the top ten, uh, yeah, you got Carlson, Nepo, Loren, Faraja, Nakamura, Fury, Fabiano, So, Anand, and Rajabal. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think, um, you know what, in retrospect, Nakamura was correct. It would be more exciting if he was one of the players. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, who, who do you expect to win the match? Oh, gosh. You know what? To be honest, I don't know. And to be honest, I kind of don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, I, because we all know that neither of them are going to be the strongest player in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know? The strongest player, for you know, good reasons, has decided he'd rather not keep defending over yeah. and over. And you know, I get that. Um, but what what does that say about him? Actually, does it? I mean, you know, who was it? It was um, Yua, who was like champion for like twenty years, right? Uh, and I, uh, you're, you're the chess historian, not me. Kasparov. Kasparov was champion for just almost 20 years um but i mean look i mean what carlson said he doesn't have anything else to prove and i get that okay cool um but it does mean that now this match that we're talking about now is going to be anticlimactical yeah you know and 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 look all, all, all i gotta say is uh you know, look, obviously the last match I, I, I cared, uh, I was there, uh, you know, with, with, with uh, Carlos Perdomo and Oren Hudson, both of which have been uh, on, on the podcast before, um, you know, this time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have, you know, all that much interest. And um, the, the, the truth is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little crazy, right, that, uh, you know, I, I up until yesterday, I, I forgot it was going on. I was actually talking to uh, one of the science teachers at, at Grace Church yesterday, and you know he was asking me some questions about it, and I was like, honestly, don't know, don't know. Well, you know, it's interesting because even on Chess.com in the news, there's very little mention of it. Yeah, yeah, no, the the the, the forget about even the mainstream media. Right. Uh, you know, actually, last night, I, I forgot, I, I was talking to Peter Kopke. Uh, we do a monthly blitz tournament at an Indian restaurant and uh, the, the first Tuesday of every month. And yeah, one thing that Peter said is like, even on chessbase.com, 
right? There's very little mention uh, of, of, of the match, you know, which is like crazy, right? Like number one, the first thing you see, chessable masters with Fabiano and Nakamura. Right, which is, right? you know. You know, there's Cyprus to host the four-stage Grand Prix. Niels Grendelis, Rektovic Open, right? Women's Grand Prix, chessable masters. I mean, this is just crazy. The championship is being mentioned. It's way down the list. You know, it's, like, it's not even on page one. Right? You, you, you wouldn't even, like, literally. I mean, is that's crazy. Right? I understand, like, the New York Times not covering it, like, immediately. Right? But chessbase.com, right? There's just nothing there. You know, you go to uschess.org, right? You know, just to, you know, to, to show you. Right, like the the lack of PR that uh, you know the the, the match is, is is having is you know personally I think a little crazy, right? Especially well, and maybe, and maybe Evan, that's a, a bit of a commentary on what chess has to offer money wise, right? Like you know, if if chess was like basketball or you know baseball, you know, and you got and players got those huge, huge salaries, maybe there'd be an incentive for Carlson to hang in there, you know, for 20 years um, instead of step down and, you know, and just kind of play for fun, as it were. Um, so, you know, maybe it says something about, you know, it, yeah, I'm sure it says something about the chess world and about what, even though chess is very popular now and, and what chess.com, you know, they, it's, you know, all the people, all the subscribers they signed up during the pandemic is like incredible. But the chess world still can't pay out the kind of money that other sports type activities can. Right. But, but truthfully, I, I, I don't think it's just that, you know, the, 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 the truth is, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, quite, quite a lot actually. Uh, you know, a, a money now, and I mean, relatively compared to other things, maybe not. But um, you know, I just I just think it's Magnus pulled out, so you know, the story is not there. Uh, of of yeah. course, yeah. So. But you know, but interestingly, whatever we just said about you know the big big money's not in chess, but look at all the streamers who are making a living at streaming, and and not. Except for Nakamura, none of them are like top top flight players. They're, you know, they're they're good players, you know, but they're not, you know, they're 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 not the the the, the very top players. Right, right. No, I, I, I absolutely, I I, I feel you uh, on that, uh, of course. So anyway, Gary, I really want to thank you for taking some time to talk today on the podcast about a large variety of subjects from some insights on Passover and Easter, Holy Grail, uh, Masters at the Chess Forum, uh, some gratitude for chess in schools, uh, working with uh, the young kindergartner, uh, Fabiana Carlana, uh, talking about some book recommendations and analysis, uh, chess improvement, uh, and of course, a little bit about the uh, World Chess Championship. Uh, and the lack of PR uh, that it has. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add while you're on the podcast today? Um, gosh, just uh, just that it's been a 
kind of a great honor to work with the people I have across the years, um, you know, yourself included. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, you know, I've, I've had a kind of a great rare opportunity, you know, to be where I have been and um, here in New York City in the chess world. And it's been fun. And, uh, and. Uh, yeah, well, and, I have to say, right, chess truly is the heart of chess teaching uh of course and uh yeah i mean i'm I'm very lucky to have worked with you and pandolfini and mcanalty and uh other you know great 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 uh chess coaches um you know always grateful to you know shernaz who you know got me into chess teaching and introduced me to bruce uh many many years ago when i was you know a young kid uh, i'm actually going to see her uh very shortly i'm uh, going to uh tournament at, at Foxwoods uh, th th this week uh, as well. So uh, yeah, de definitely grateful for that. Um, lastly, if anyone uh, is inspired by this interview, you know, maybe wants to communicate, I know in addition to, you know, actually even teaching chess, you also have done uh, other tutoring, you've done some copywriting, uh, many other, you know, different things as well. So uh, if people do want to reach out, uh, is there a way people could reach you? Um, uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, my e reach out via email, um, as I lay dying at hotmail.com. Okay. Amazing. Well, Gary, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I truly am very grateful to have you as, uh, both a friend and a colleague and a great asset, uh, to the premier test team, uh, as well. And, uh, officially part of the podcast guest club. So, Thank you and uh, look forward to talking soon and happy holidays. Thank you. Take care. And yeah, uh, yeah. holidays. Take care, buddy. Bye.